they were able to describe to us a strange fish that was obviously the one we were trying to find and they led us to exactly where we could find it. You're listening to The Collection and we'll be sneaking you in the back door of the Museum and Art Gallery of the Northern Territory, also known as Magnet. Every object has a story, and in this podcast, we'll take you back of house to discover rare and wonderful specimens and introduce you to the people who care for them. My name is Gavin Daly, and I'm the Senior Collections Manager for Natural Sciences at the Museum and Art Gallery of the Northern Territory. My role here is to look after the scientific reference collection that we have here, um, and that consists of thousands of animal specimens. We often work in collaboration with Indigenous people and the traditional owners of the land. Uh, their local knowledge of country and the seasons does assist us in, um, in planning for our collecting. Um, for example, um, the Larrakia people, they recognise seven distinct seasons. Balmba, Dale, Mailama, Damabila, Dinijangama, Gurulwa Guligi and Dalerga as our seasons. My name is Lorraine Williams. I'm a Larrakia woman of Darwin. I'm from the Bacho family. The seasonal calendar itself is referred to as the Gulamirgan season because Gulamirgan is the language of the Larrakia people. So Larrakia or Largia are the people of Darwin, the traditional people of Darwin. So Balamba is the rainy season. Dale is like the monsoon season, followed on from the start of the rain into the season of the cyclones. Mailama is when it starts drying out. So between Dale and Mailama, you have these things in the top end that we call the season of the knock em down. The knock em down means when the last final rain of the season is a big, powerful storm and it knocks over all the spear grass that's been growing. So we're in July and July is Dinijangama. Dinijangama actually means the heavy dew on the ground. So beautiful things happen in this season. There's a flowering of all the different um, eucalyptus trees like eucalyptus miniata and eucalyptus tetradonta and they come into flower now but when we're actually walking around on Larrakia country we actually are looking for things that um, when those trees are flowering or what else is happening and what normally um, happens at that time of season is that we're out collecting sugar bag because the flowers actually produce the nectar and the bees, the native bees actually need the nectar, we go out and we teach our kids how to collect the sugar bag. At this time of year, the water lilies are all out um, flowering and we know that the magpie geese actually start feeding off the water, water lilies. That soon, the magpie geese are gonna be fat. So we're actually looking at those water lilies knowing that they're gonna feed the geese and the water's gonna drop on the floodplains. Uh, the other thing that's happening at this time of year as well is that the waters drop on the floodplain and that's the time to actually go and hunt the long-necked turtles. I'm always mindful that what the old people taught me 
so you can hear the old people's voice where they say that the flower was actually calling the season and there's all laws about how we um, eat those fruit and we teach our children not to be greedy and there's all these things about even when we harvest turtle eggs to take some and leave some but it's all of those those stories that you can't really capture on one seasonal calendar there could be an entire book actually written The NT is a fairly special place to be collecting. There's a lot of new species to be discovered up here, but it's also quite difficult in the terms of um, some of the areas are very remote and hard to get to um, and can be quite expensive, especially once you start talking about using helicopters and things like that. So at the museum, when we plan to do some fieldwork to collect specimens, there's quite a process that we need to undertake. Um, and that really starts with working out the scientific question we're trying to answer. So um, once we've determined that, um, then we may need to make sure that we've got all the appropriate approvals um, that allows us to collect animals. Many of the parks here are jointly managed with the traditional owners, so it's important that they are consulted about what we are planning to do. Parks and Wildlife will actually undertake that consultation with the traditional owners for us and ensure that um, everyone's happy about us being there. And then there's the more practical side of things, working out where we want to go. So we can do that by looking at previous data and working out where there might be gaps in our collections. And then we need to look at the logistics of the, the weather and the time of year and how easy it is to get to a particular area. So there's a, there's a lot of um, homework that goes into it before you actually uh, hit the road. Yeah, so a typical collecting trip for us, we'll, um, we'll use our, our four-wheel drives because we need to, some of the tracks are quite rough, um, and we'll, we'll go in convoy with the ranger groups, and it might take up to, up to half a day, sometimes a whole day, to reach some of these more remote areas. Um, so, you know, we, we're travelling through the bush, across some quite rocky, uh, dry riverbeds, um, until we get to the waterholes. So we've found that um, it's been a fantastic opportunity for us to collaborate with traditional owners and, and local ranger groups. So we've had uh, quite a few joint field trips in, out in Kakadu and Arnhem Land and also over in the Vic River area. And one of, one of the best ways we've found is um, we'll do field training days with traditional owners where uh, they will give us the benefit of their in-depth knowledge of where animals are and, and and um, allow us really to access special areas um, and, and we're able to show them western science so how to gather data and how to collect specimens that might be useful for for this type of work that's really been a fantastic thing for museums we understand with climate change that things are going to be um, changing all around us but with all of that you know, we have to think sensibly as to like, is that now different, that we have to light fires in a different manner or think about what it, how it might dry out the land for longer and what damage it may cause to the environment if you light the fires at the wrong time. So there's a lot of, you know, even with um, having the Aboriginal knowledge, we still need to try and balance it up with the Western science as well so that we can get the balance because it's those two that really need to work together to be able to understand climate change. I mean, even over my lifetime, and I'm not even 50 years old yet, 
but I've noticed changes in the season just from when I was a kid right up until, until now. Over the last few years, we've been going out to the Victoria River region quite regularly, um, and the reason we're out there is we're working with Aboriginal ranger groups to collect rainbow fish. So we've been visiting some of the, the really remote uh, water holes and, and little streams out there. Um, it, it seems that some of the rainbow fish out there are potentially new species, so that's really exciting. A seasonal calendar is not just a straight seasonal calendar, it's going there getting all that historical information, match it up with all the scientific information. So because I'd worked in the ethnobotany unit, you know, matching it up, matching up the science with the um, plants and the animals. And then, yeah, just understanding and knowing how um, in writing down your cultural heritage in looking at the seasons and how that can help to inform science as well. And vice versa, having worked as a, a ranger and working, working with ranger groups all around the top end of the Northern Territory, it's been really great to see that those ethnobotanical bulletins that were produced are now being used in the ranger groups. So all the, all the ranger groups have got those ethnobotanical bulletins where we originally went out and collected the information with old people and they use it as a resource. And when they forget the name, they're able to look it up, you know, either using it by the scientific name or just knowing the Aboriginal name, but it's there so that they can actually use it. I've been really lucky that I've got to see some of those collections, um, you know, at the back of the museum there, um, and be able to look to see, you know, what they do have and what they, what they don't have. But I get really excited, especially having worked at the herbarium, you know, of all the plant species that I, I was always wanting to know. I wonder if they got this particular species that old people actually spoke about. For us it's been fantastic to work with the, the ranger groups, um, not just because they are allowing us to visit their land and to collect specimens, um, but also we learn about their traditional knowledge regarding the animals and, and the special place that they hold in their, in their beliefs. So we had a really interesting field trip uh, a couple of years ago that was out in, in the west of the NT over near Timber Creek. Uh, where we were collecting fish specimens with uh, a local Aboriginal ranger group. During the night, um, a storm blew up. There was, there was no rain, but it was a really strong wind, and it actually blew over a couple of our tents. And I could see that a few of the local people um, were quite upset by that. In the morning, before anything else happened, before coffee or anything like that, uh, we actually underwent a ceremony with the local people, which we hadn't done the previous day, and that was to basically ask permission from the ancestors for us to be there. Uh, and once that happened, you know, the, the trip continued happily and it ended up really successful. Yeah, there's been a lot of examples where um, Aboriginal science has informed Western science and Western science has helped with um, understanding about indicators or things to look for out on country. And it's... I don't want to say that they clash, but sometimes they clash, but sometimes they, um, yeah, complement each other. But with climate change, I suppose we all need to be working together to be able to find those subtle indicators in the country. The country is sad at the moment, but we still, you know, as Aboriginal people, need to bring it back to the way that it was. Um, think about all those species, animal and plant species, that need to be looked after, and there needs to be a harmony um, 
you know, and a balance brought back to what's happening out there in the bush. Next time on The Collection, we'll find out about preservation techniques and what happened when the museum was hit by Cyclone Tracy. The Collection is a museum and art gallery of the Northern Territory podcast, and this episode featured Gavin Daly, Magnet's Senior Collections Manager for Natural Sciences, and Larrakia Elder and ethnobotanist Lorraine Williams. The Collection is produced by Story Projects, with production by Cinnamon Nippard and Laurie Uden. Music composition by James Mangohig and mixing by Hamish Robertson. Johanna Bell is the executive producer. Big thanks to Ben Andrews for additional recordings. This episode was created on Larrakia land in the tropical top end of the Northern Territory through funding from National Science Week NT. Subscribe to The Collection wherever you get your podcasts or for more info, head to magnt.net.au forward slash The Collection. <laughs>